Hi, you're listening to my mom, Cat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Cat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. My hope for this show is that it's the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every single day is life-changing and that it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Because the truth is that out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are unique and you're amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly, and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. So welcome to episode number 91 of the Inspired to Action podcast. Today I'm talking with Jenny Simmons. She's the former lead singer of a band called Addison Road, one of my all-time favorites. And she's also recently released a book called The Road to Becoming. Now you might think, oh, rock star mom, how fun is that? That must be glorious and happy all the time. Not so much. She's going to share a little bit of her journey today, just the process that we go through when we have devastation after devastation and we see our dreams die, and really what to do when we hit that low point and how God can bring us out of it. We also talk a little bit about unconventional motherhood, and she has one of the best nuggets of motherhood wisdom I've ever heard. So listen for that. Of course, though, I want to say a huge thank you before we get started to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. And they have a free 30-day trial that you can get by going to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action. You can sign up do their free trial, get all your recipes in there, really see how it works for you. And the beauty of it to me is honestly when I go to the grocery store because it makes my shopping list for me. And that is just a beautiful thing, y'all. Sometimes I weep silent tears of joy knowing that I don't need to write onions every single week or garlic or whatever it is that I'm always buying. And I don't want to have to write over and over and over again. And the beauty is, is that when you make a meal plan for the week and you just drag and drop the recipes, It compiles how many onions to get and how much chicken broth you need. And the less math I have to do, the happier I am. So definitely go check them out. Again, that's plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action. Now, if you need a little help getting set up over there, it's actually super easy. But if you just need the accountability, I have a website that I've set up called mealplanningbootcamp.com. Just sign up there. It's totally free. And I walk you through the process of getting a meal plan created, getting your recipes in there as quickly and easily as possible so that you can make the most of that 30-day trial and really see if it's a fit for you. So go to mealplanningbootcamp.com. You can also find the link for the free trial there as well. All right. Well, let's get started with our chat today with Jenny Simmons. Hey, Jenny. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, Kat. Thanks for having me. I am really excited to talk to you today. And I hear that you have a very professional setup right now as we're chatting. (laughs) I do. I left to drop my daughter and her friend off at school. And I I just in passing said to my husband, hey, can you give me a mic out? And I came back and it looks like a recording studio. (laughs) I I don't know what he's pulled out or where or that we even owned these things. I didn't know that. But they're all at the kitchen table now, and I'm very professional. I love it. That's pretty much what, what most moms come home to after school drop-off, <laughs> is a full-on recording studio in their kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, where did we get this stuff? He's like, oh, I have lots of stuff. I'm like, I'm just, He was just waiting for the moment. <laughs> yes. He's like your Alfred. Is that who, like Batman? What, oh, what's that, yeah. that that butler or whatever he has that comes up with all the gadgets. Yeah, totally. Okay. And he's just kind of sneaky. Like yes. He just shows up. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I'm glad, I'm glad that was right because I actually know absolutely nothing about Batman except for maybe a brief cartoon <laughs> memory from the 1970s. So, Okay. See, I, I don't know that it's right. There's probably, women, <laughs> there's probably women that are like, what are they talking about? Because I've never watched Batman in my life. <laughs> okay. So we just made up a new cartoon. We did. Um, and hopefully it's going to be famous someday. Right. With the creepy butler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So Jenny, I I want to, okay, first of all, I have a quick question for you. Yes. Okay. Yes. How often do people mess up saying your name? Do they ever? Um, Your last name, Jenny Simmons. Oh yeah. I get Simons a lot. Okay. I was wondering because, so I know you and um, you actually did a house concert for us a couple years ago. Yeah. And so we've met in person and yet again, early this morning, I was searching YouTube for somebody to say your name because (laughs) I was second guessing myself. Yeah. I do that a lot with people. I do it all the time. And so I'm thankful for YouTube 
and all that. (laughs) So, okay. So for everybody listening, Jenny Simmons. And Jenny was the lead singer for a group called Addison Road, who uh, was birthed at Baylor. Not Jenny, the band, was birthed at Baylor, (laughs) which is very awesome. So I was hoping today for you to take us a little bit into that backstory. You are a college kid. Were you Mm -hmm. thinking that music was something that you wanted to do? How did that whole season begin for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, no, I went to school and I was studying religion and history and um, my parents are in ministry. And I really just, that's all I'd ever seen modeled was we spent our weeks at the church growing up. And so I just assumed I would go study religion, then go to seminary somewhere and be a youth pastor or a cast, uh, like a pastoral care pastor, something like that. So um, I go and I, but I loved music and I'd loved it since I was a little girl. I, I was that kind of uh, weird child that would go to Six Flags and I'd go to concerts with all my friends and I would cry. There was something so moving about it to me and everybody else would just, you know, have a good time and try to get back to the roller coasters. But I would grow up going to these shows and just leave a weepy mess. And so I knew something in me really deeply resonated with what people were doing on stage and how that shaped my own soul. And um, and so that was a big part of who I was. But I get to college and just think I'm going to go into ministry. And that's when I meet my, um, my boyfriend, who ends up becoming my husband. And uh, we sort of, you say it all the time, we accidentally started a band. That's, you know, I, I have to say it makes me a little bit bitter because I was going to be the next Amy Grant. <laughs> um, I have no musical okay. ability. But I started plenty of bands in my head. And so every time I hear somebody talking about how they didn't really mean to be a singer or they didn't mean to start this awesome band, I'm like, well, I did. And so it did not pan out. It did not work out. So you accidentally started an awesome band. Yeah. Well, so we were in, I was, this is so embarrassing. I was in a show choir at Baylor called the BRH. And um, we, we sang like, Amy Grant, Avalon, Point of Grace songs with hand motions. It, it was so embarrassing. And we would travel to these little bitty podunk churches all over Texas and perform songs. And so I met my husband there, and um, and we kind of just started dating right off the bat. And there was a fundraiser for a mission trip. And so we the fundraiser was a big musical night. And so you could sing somebody else's song, but the, our director, Becky, said, you know, it'd be really great, though, if you wrote your own song. And I had, up until that point, you know, I'd been singing in church, but I'm a kid of the 90s, so we were still, like, on the flip track accompaniment, tra- yes. uh, accompaniment tapes, you know, like on the cassette deck. <laughs> And so that's all. I had never played with a real instrumentalist in my life. Like I'd never been on stage with a guitar player or a pianist or anything. And I got really nervous. So we wrote this terrible, terrible song. And then we went to Common Grounds for open mic night to practice because I was so nervous. I thought if I could just go to Common Grounds and make myself do the song one time with my boyfriend on guitar, then I can get over the jitters and be okay for the fundraiser. And we went, and that night there was a youth minister there, and he heard me singing. He said, he came up after and he said, I love your voice, and I have all these girls in my youth group, and they totally don't get me, and I'd just love to bring you out for our disciple now. Could you be our band? I was like, oh, you know, I don't I don't have a band. He's like, well, if you know a girl at Baylor that does, like my budget's about five to $700. And we'll feed you. And I was like, oh, that kind of band. Absolutely, I have a band. <laughs> so that's really where Addison Road started. I took that gig. You know, my boyfriend's at the time, um, my husband now, but he was freaking out. Like, what are you signing us up for? We had no musicians. And actually, the guys that we found to play that that first show um, ended up being our bandmates for the next 11 years. That is crazy. I know. <laughs> Yeah. So how did you get the name Addison Road? Um, that is a really good question. Well, you know what? There was um, the guy that ran the sound at Baylor Chapel at the time um, had just had a little boy and named him Addison. And he heard us fighting backstage. We couldn't come up with a name to save our lives. And he's like, why don't you just name it after our kid? So we took Addison and added Road to it. And it was, if we had any idea how many times we would have been asked that question the following years, <laughs> we would have come up with a way better name and a better story. But that's that's how it happened. So it was an accidental band <laughs> with, a- with an accidental name. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. I never thought about that. But yes. I love it. So you do this Disciple Now. 
And, you know, ultimately you end up having a number one hit. You sell hundreds of thousands of albums. Um, mm-hmm. well, how did you get, how did you bridge that gap? What happened next? Yeah. So, well, we, we, um, we did the first event and I loved it. And so, um, he was friends with another youth pastor. And in Texas, if you're, once you get in, the youth ministers will kind of just pass you around. And so, um, by the time I graduated Baylor, I, you know, I'd probably played a hundred different little tiny churches with this accidental band (laughs) and we loved it. And so we decided we were going to just take a stab at it and and give our, we gave ourselves two years. If we can get out of college graduate, and then we'll go give ourselves two years to get a record deal. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, then we'll move on and we'll be real live adults. And so <laughs> um, we we graduated, we moved to Dallas, we all moved in together, but I got married in between my junior and senior year of college. So super early, definitely not what I planned for my life. Um, I was like Miss Independent, never going to get married. And, you know, here I am, like, the youngest person I know getting married. <laughs> um, and so we graduated. We move in with our bandmates. We live together for two years. We all work at Starbucks. And we're literally getting to the end of that two years. And we're also leading worship for a church in, in Dallas and um, get into the end of that two years and put in our resignation at the church um, because we knew it was time to move on from that. And the next day after I put in the resignation, I got an email from a guy in Nashville and he just said, "Hey, we, you know, with this record label, we've been following you guys for the last three or four years. Would love to fly you in town and talk to you about a deal." Wow! So were you just over the moon when you got that email? It was a, um, it was amazing. I, you know, Kat, there's so many times I want, I have, I have stopped and thought, what am I doing with my life? And it's time to to get a real job or, you know, to move into some sort of more concrete path. And every time I have those those doubts and those feelings, um, God really just either opens a door or shuts it. And so in that case, it was one of those moments where the door was flung so wide open. I was almost a little bit annoyed, honestly, because I was like, Lord, I am trying to quit here, get health insurance. And um you know, and so every time I've been at the at my breaking point where I'm like, I cannot do this. I feel like God has been so gracious to just give me these big, bold signs where I'm like, oh, I'm exactly supposed to be here. Um, and so, I, you know, there hasn't been a lot of doubt about it. So in your journey of being with Addison Road and traveling and all that, what are some of the highest highs that you had? Some of the most memorable moments and moments where you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. Oh, yeah. Um, well, so for sure for me, it was the very last show I did before I gave birth to my daughter, Annie. I was um, eight and a half months pregnant, almost nine months pregnant. And it was American Airlines Center. And I'm a Dallas girl. So I grew up watching the Mavericks and, um, you know, so to, to, to go to my green room and have it be the Mavericks locker room, wow. I about fell out and it was sold <laughs> out. So there were 20,000 people in the arena. There were 5,000 people outside watching on these jumbotrons. And I was, you know, I was the very opening, opening act. Like people are coming in still. And we did five songs that night, but still for me, I was like five songs. That is, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> okay. So I have to ask. When I was eight and a half months pregnant, yes. I pretty much did not want to be seen. <laughs> how, how, you know, I couldn't see my feet. I could barely move around. I could, you know, I could maybe speak a full sentence without taking 10 breaths, possibly. Right. <laughs> how, how did you manage that? So just internally, obviously, it's an exciting moment. But internally, did you have any, you know, struggle there? And how did you even manage to sing? Oh, absolutely. Well, the best part is after I had her, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much air. (laughs) I could sing for days. Um, Yeah, it was, you know, I honestly, I look back at some of these seasons in my life and I think, what was I thinking? Um, And so I guess maybe I wasn't thinking very much. You go on adrenaline and you, I knew I had shows to do. And I think the excitement of it, you know, there's something about the energy of other people that really carries us through um, very hard or or strenuous seasons. And so I really, I've always fed off of people. And so I think just being buoyed by that. Also, let's just be real. The Spanx did wonders. (laughs) (laughs) My doctor told me, my doctor was there that night. She was backstage and 
And she told me, um, you know, you can't let her move around anymore if you don't want to go into labor because I was already dilated. Oh, and wow. um, Oh, yeah. And so she she made me put these spanks on backstage and she's like, this will keep her in place. <laughs> <laughs> I can and see she- the headlines now. Jenny Simmons gives birth with 20,000 people. I'm watching. I know. And she looked at me. She's like, please, please let this be your last show. Please. <laughs> Not keep doing it. She was so stressed out for me. But, you know, it was really cool. I found a lady who loved the Lord um, specifically to be my doctor during that season because I just said, look, I know what what pregnant women are supposed to do. And I know that doesn't look like traveling. But if I'm out of a job, a lot of people are out of a job. And so this is my ministry. It's what I feel like God's called me to do. And so she and I said, I just need a doctor that can support that and help me know how to navigate being on the road. And she said, you know, as a doctor, I can tell you I absolutely don't agree with that. You know, I wouldn't put my my stamp of recommendation on it. But as a sister in Christ, I totally get it. So let's get you through this pregnancy. And I just thought, oh, thank you. <laughs> I love that. And, and, you know, I mean, you were talking earlier about, you know, quitting a job, getting healthcare and doing normal people things. Right. <laughs> and I love that not only did you not do that, um, God led you in a different direction, but then you pursued somebody who was going to support the calling that you felt like God was calling you to, even though, especially when it comes to motherhood, there are so many things that you should do and things that you should not do. And people are so opinionated. Yes. yes and yes. I love that you just continued to follow God. In, mm-hmm. in that season. Is that something that you've always kind of had a bent towards or was that a really difficult conscious decision on your part? You know, I think deep down that was something I, I've always had a bent towards that, but I didn't understand how to do that with motherhood. I just didn't have a concept. And I had a really great women's pastor and she said to me very early on, she said, Jenny, the way that we mother in this country is a luxury and a privilege. And women across the world who live in poverty don't get that option. And she said they strap their kids to their back and they go to the rice fields and they strap their kids to their back and they go through trash heaps and try to find food and they go and get jerry cans and fill them up with water. And she said, do not judge your motherhood by the standards of people in this country as much as you want to. And she said, every single time you feel guilt or shame or worry about what it's going to look like to keep doing what God's called you to do. Um, She said, I want you to go to Jesus. She said, you go to Jesus and ask him, how do I mother this child in this family, in this ministry? And she said, listen to him and nobody else. And that was the best advice. And it set me free because I thought, you know what? I can go to Barnes and Noble and sit in mom's groups and listen to all these amazing ways I can raise my child and feel completely guilty. Or I can trust that Jesus gave me this ministry and this calling and that he knows how to mother this child better than I do. You know, that's a parenting book right there. You could have the shortest (laughs) parenting book ever. Right. Jesus knows how to parent your kid. Just go to Jesus and ask him how to mother. The end. The end. (laughs) I love that. So so 20,000 people, eight and a half months pregnant, you give birth, you have this gorgeous little girl. She's just so stinking adorable. I love when you post her pictures on Instagram. Um, So what does that look like? Because you're still in the band and you have a baby. How does that work? Well, I had a ended up having a C-section that I didn't plan on. And five weeks later, I was on stage again in in California. And so um, she just came with us. Um, And she's six years old now in first grade. And so I've kept a database of all the flights she's taken. She's up to (laughs) 367 flights. Oh, my goodness. That's way more, way more. I don't think I've had 10% of that many flights. That's amazing. She's a pro. She's a pro. She is a pro. So, you know, it was was probably – it was not how I ever imagined raising a daughter, but she's. In, I, I keep saying, you know what? She's okay. She'll need therapy one day. All, I think all kids yes. probably will, but right now she's in first grade and she's thriving and has friends and gets annoyed when she has to drive for more than 30 minutes to not understand <laughs> why there's not a plane. <laughs> so we just took her on the road with us and you know, she, she lived her first two and a half years on the back of um, buses and RVs that we rented and Um, And that's kind of how she grew up. She didn't know any different. So you are in this wonderful season of your band is doing amazing. And um, you have a wonderful family, a husband, and this beautiful baby. Mm -hmm. And then things started to transition a little bit. Take us into that. Yeah. Yeah. 
things began, you know, I, I looking back, um, I love that when our lives begin to sort of fall apart or unravel, that we don't know the full extent of it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's God's kindness and His grace that you don't experience it all in one big fatal blow. But um, looking back, I know that she was 11 months old when everything just began to unravel for us. And it was... Um, it almost feels like Job. When I tell this story, I, I think, wow, I can't believe that many things happened. The very first thing happened um, right before she was born. We had our van and trailer stolen with all of our instruments and our uh, merchandise and, you know, everything that you use to make a living. Um, and so that happened. We were leaving on that tour with Mercy Me. It's called the Rock and Worship Road Show. show. And so we we woke up to leave for that tour and went to the parking lot and found that the van trailer, everything was gone. Um, so that happens. But again, you're buoyed by the people and the success and the ministry and everything that's happening. And you just think, well, okay, well, we'll get the insurance money. We'll replace everything and we'll, we'll keep going. And so... Um, we hit that summer, and in July, so now she's four months old, three months old, um, it's stolen again. Everything that we had bought and replaced, the van, trailer, all the gear, merchandise, you name it, it was stolen from a second parking lot. Um, and then we <laughs> – yeah, I so, know. <laughs> so, you you know, you, you say that. You say it was stolen the first time, then it was stolen the second time. Right. I really want – I want to – give me the play-by-play. Like, you come out of your – hotel room or yeah. somebody comes in and tells you what I mean to have everything stolen yeah. the second time the second time how did that how did that feel what what happened I, I mean it, we were at um we were at our apartment and um went to leave and I remember my husband coming back up the stairs looking lost and he never looks lost because he's kind of perfect which is annoying <laughs> <laughs> he never forgets things he's always early he's never late you know he's that guy so when he's walking back up I'm thinking well what where's he going and so I said you know did you forget something and he didn't answer me and I said Ryan did you forget something and he looked at me and he said it's gone it's all gone again and I, I kept thinking why well, I, I didn't even know how to wrap my mind around it except to walk through the parking lot and wander around and see if I could find it you know maybe we parked it in a different spot um, and so it, um, it, it's just mind numbing, I think in that moment. And that particular one, the second one was crazy because the person that stole it had just committed murder oh and we found out where all of our stuff was when we got a, a phone call from a police officer and he said, you know, my officer so-and-so, um, I'm, I'm calling to report that I found your stuff. And, and the reason I'm calling you is because my daughter's a fan of your music. And I got home and I told her, you know, I worked a, a murder scene. And he said, in this guy's house, there was all this band gear. <laughs> it was all labeled Addison Road. And he said, I'm telling my daughter this at the table. And she's like, Dad, you have to call them. They're my favorite band. And they just had their stuff stolen, you know. So oh, he, wow. he tracks us down through our manager in Nashville and ends up calling. Didn't, you know, didn't realize we were Dallas people and was the nicest. But, you know, that that he said most of it was trash. A lot of it had been thrown into the Trinity River. Um, you know, none of it was really salvageable. So, yeah, I mean, just like you're listening to it like, what? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? Um and I knew at that point we were, you know, you're exhausted. It was our first child. And so physically and emotionally, we're tired. She doesn't sleep through the night till she's two years old. And um, and so we were uh, we were just tired. You know, we were that's the best word for it was is exhaustion. That kind of those moments where you thought, okay, God, this is not gonna work. Like we we're it felt like um by the end of that year, fast forward, we replace everything with insurance money, we get promptly in a head-on collision um, with a dri- tree right with a tree right it's a we're driving home one night on a little two-lane road turn the corner it's raining and there's this massive tree that's fallen in the middle of the road and we the guys are in it I'm actually in a rental car behind them so Annie and I weren't in the car but they they plowed into it going maybe 40 miles an hour and just demolished the van so we lost it a wow. third time we lose our insurance coverage and then um and then we have one more 
very big moment. But um, I I felt like in the midst of that year, I was just um, holding everything together with scotch tape. You know, it was sort of like if I could just pull a little bit more tape off and tape it together, maybe I could maybe I could keep us moving forward. And so for the longest time, I just try to keep my head above water. What, how do you minister? In, so I'm guessing that, you know, in the process of all this, you still did some shows and stuff. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, so we were, you, yeah. yeah. So how do you, how do you uh, where's your faith? What's your faith doing in, in the midst of all this? And how do you minister in the middle of all that? Because I'm sure you had questions. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of questions. Um, I... Uh, you know, it's it's fascinating when I look back to that season. I have a lot of letters that come in from people, and some people would would literally write and say, the words that you said on stage tonight were exactly word for word what I have been praying and asking God to answer, and you answered it. I mean, just word for word. And I, I look back at that season, and I know I was exhausted, and I was a train wreck. And all I can think is that I, I think just the faithfulness of showing up and opening my mouth was all was was what I brought to the table. Everything else the Holy Spirit did. Everything else. Because I would say things to people in that season. I would minister to people in ways I had never done before, in very profound ways, in very specific ways. And um, and that wasn't me because I literally had nothing to give anybody. I Ex- except for the faithfulness to show up, you know. Yeah. I, I, we could have, I guess could have found a way to get out of the tours, but they were, for the most part, they were sold out. All these shows were, and I mean, we were doing hundreds of shows. It was, you know, we were doing like 200 shows during the year. And so, um, it, it didn't seem like an option to quit at the moment. I think in retrospect, that would have been wiser just to throw in the towel, but, um, we really felt like we weren't supposed to. And so we, we kept going. So you had your van stolen a couple times. Right. You hit a tree. Yeah. And then you also had uh explosion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not of the diaper variety. No, not of the diaper variety. Right. So the last the last piece of that year, and most of the what I'm telling you is just car stuff. I could peel away that and get to the other things too. And just the year in and of itself. We were having um deaths in our family. Um, Annie was get, Annie was sick um, quite a bit, and we were trying to to figure out how to keep her well. And um, just there were just a lot of issues. Money was the more we stayed on the road in the midst of the losses, the more we put on credit cards and borrowed, and um, and just financially we're sinking and sinking and sinking. And so the cars are just sort of the tip of the iceberg. But the 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 breaking point for us was. Um, fast forward to a, a few months after the the car wreck, and um, Annie is 11 months old at the time, and we're about to go on tour with Sanctus Real. And at this point, we have no insurance because <laughs> insurance companies <laughs> they were afraid of you, right? They're afraid of us. They won't cover us, and um, and so they um, they drop us, and we can't buy a new vehicle if we can't insure it. And so we're looking to try to rent from somebody locally, personally, and we're at a, a coffee shop in Nashville. And there, a guy walks up to us and he sees that we're looking at RVs and he said, Hey, you know, I noticed you're here with your family. I don't, are you guys in a band? And we started talking and turns out he, his name is Jeremy Dibler. He's a lead singer for a group called FFH that oh, he yeah. and his wife. Yeah. So he and his wife were at the coffee shop and they're musicians. And he said, you know, we're about to go on sabbatical and we have this RV and we, you know, if you guys need something, we'll, we'll rent it to you. We'd love for you to, to have it. And I remember um, going to his wife that day and just looking at her and saying, I don't think you want to give us your stuff because <laughs> there's a chance we're cursed. And she was like, you know, she laughed and she was like, oh, gosh, no, you're not cursed. And, I, you know, in my heart, I'm thinking, I don't I don't know. There's a good chance we are. <laughs> we rent their RV from them. We take it breaks down every single day. The first four days we're on the road. And um, the final time it breaks down, we're we're in the middle of the desert in between Albuquerque, New Mexico and Flagstaff, Arizona, and um, can't get anybody to come pick us up. We don't know anybody out there. The taxi companies apparently don't do desert runs because they think (laughs) you're drug runners. (laughs) So, you know, I did what the only thing I knew to do. I started calling churches from the desert with my, you know, it's with my 11-month-old, and I am just 
in the phone. I'm like, hi, I am a Christian and I am stuck on the side of your highway. (laughs) You are morally obligated to come (laughs) because I'm with a baby, you know. And they thought I was crazy. And I finally got to a church that believed me. And sure enough, this man came came and picked us up. Wow. Yeah. Um, And he brought us into town. We rented cars. And, you know, we left everything in the RV and we were on the road for four months. So everything, our, you know, coffee pots, vacuum cleaners, suitcases, all your equipment. And, you know, at the start of a tour, you've got thousands of T-shirts, CDs, all that stuff, because that's what really pays the bills. And so, you know, everything, all of her baby toys and her blankets and you name it was there. And um, we left it on the side of the highway, assured that it would be towed and fixed and make it back to us. And the next thing we know, we're getting a call that it has exploded and it is um, burned to the ground. Wow. So at this point, are you just like, okay, that's that's the last straw? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I um, Yeah, I fell apart. Um, we had gone on. We were at, in Vegas for a show in Las Vegas. And um, I, I went to a nursery. I was in a church. And I remember going to this nursery. And just, I fell on the floor. It was the first time in my life I'd been fully prostrate. I, I just remember that, just just toe to, to foot, just sprawled out on this floor sobbing. And I just kept telling God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I knew it meant, I knew it meant the end of the band. I knew it meant bankruptcy probably for my husband and I. Um, I just, I, you know, I knew it meant at the very least $300,000 worth of an RV and stuff inside of it that was completely gone. And there was no insurance money. There was no replacing it. Like we had lost everybody's stuff. Um, and it was, um, it was, I knew it was the end. So I know that there are a lot of moms listening right now. Maybe they weren't on tour. Maybe their tour bus didn't blow up, but they can completely and utterly relate just to the devastation after yes. devastation and feeling like they have nothing left. Right. What right. did you do in that moment and in that following season? Because it wasn't like, you know, Clarence the Angel showed up and with the keys <laughs> to, you know, a brand new right. RV. Well, what right. happened in that next season? Yeah. Um, well, so that night was the most pivotal night for me because I um, I called my dad. You know, I never thought I'd do that. I was a at the time I was 31 years old, 30 years old, calling my dad, asking him to come pick me up, you know, and I felt like a complete failure. Like what grown woman does this? What woman has to call her daddy and say, can you come get me and my baby and bring us home? And it, for me, it was the, I had never felt such shame and such brokenness. And, um, and he said, no, I won't come pick you up because, um, because I can't fix this for you. This is God's thing to fix. And he said, I will be there with you and I'll walk with you, but I will not help you escape from it in this moment because it's not time yet. And I remember being so angry at him thinking, go get me. (laughs) That's what I threw at dad. I'm in Vegas with no clothes. (laughs) Come get me. (laughs) Which is not what any father ever, ever wants to hear. Um, And then I called my pastor, the one who told me that Jesus knew how to mother my baby. And I just sobbed and sobbed. And she kept saying that night, and this was this is where my life started over because she said over and over again, Jenny, this is the best night of your life. This is the best night. And I kept thinking she was crazy and I was too t- exhausted to fight her. But she just whispered that over the phone until I stopped crying, which was probably a good 30 minutes of just sobbing. And she finally, when it, you know, it got quiet, there were no tears. She said, do you want to know why this is a good night and the best night of your life? And I said, yeah. And she said, Jenny, she said, you are about to see God be God. Mm. And she said, so hold on, sweetie, because you've never seen the faithfulness and the kindness and the holiness of God on display the way that you are about to. You are about to see God do the most incredible restore of redemptive things. And you are going to stand. And she said, right now you're begging for mercy for it to stop. She said, mark my words, you will beg for mercy for God's goodness to stop because you will think, who am I to be on the receiving end of such love? And, um, and I tucked that away thinking that, well, that's impossible and ridiculous because right now I don't have diapers for my kid and I don't even have a car to get home in. Um, But it's stuck in my soul. And, and what I have seen since then is tiny moment after tiny moment of God being God and picking me up and walking me out of the desert. And would you say you're at that point where you can look back 
and her words ring true? Or are you still on that journey? No, absolutely. I can look back and see that those words ring true. And, um, you know, I, so I wrote this book, The Road to Becoming, Rediscovering Your Life and the Not How I Planned It Moments, because um, the season that followed of watching God be God was a lot slower than I thought it would be. And the Christians in my life were just a lot worse at walking <laughs> through the season <laughs> than I ever imagined was possible. Um, but I learned so much in those in those seasons, um, just, you know, um, grieving, mm-hmm. just grieving in and of itself. I think we, as a church and as people, we, we're okay with letting people grieve the loss of a loved one. Um, even though we, you know, after a certain amount of time, we're like, all right, you should probably be over it by now. Um, I think we have this idea that that grief is pretty limited and brief and should be dealt with quickly and swiftly so you can move on. And, and I think people are uncomfortable with it. They don't want to watch you grieve. They want to they want to put you out of your misery <laughs> um, so that so that they don't have to sit in the tension and they don't have to sit in the brokenness because that's not a fun place to sit. But I felt like Jesus just invited me to grieve, to really, to, to really just grieve the loss of my plans and my dreams and my ministry. And, and that wasn't for me an overnight thing like, all right, Lord, I've grieved it. And now I'm just trusting that you're going to do something new and good. And, but you know, I, I didn't spring back fast. It was probably a solid year of, of, of waking up in the morning and crying and thinking, wow, I really did lose it all. Didn't I Me pinching myself again? Like, Oh, it's all gone. And, and bringing that to Jesus and realizing that He wasn't mad about that. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ready for me to move on. I, you know, Even the New Testament, I would reread it during that season and notice, oh my gosh, Jesus grieved a lot. He got in boats when, you know, when John the Baptist was beheaded and He got away from people. He wept over Lazarus. He he wept over the city of Jerusalem. He he was a man. He wept for himself. He grieved so hard for himself. Blood starts pouring out of his. You know, he was a man well acquainted with sorrow, and I'd I'd somehow missed that. And there was a. I've heard you share about. Um, it wasn't a season when you were looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can't remember it, but there's a particular line that you used. I don't know if this is ringing any bells with you mm-hmm. right now. Um, but there's a particular line that you used that struck me, although it escapes me at the moment. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about by chance? Yeah, probably so. Um, Just with the answers. Oh, yeah, probably the scripture verse that I had hijacked. And I'll I'll say it. You see, yeah. So I, um, after the grieving was done with, and I felt like I'd really kind of properly buried Addison Road and I was ready to move forward. I was ready to move forward right away. And so I just started praying, like, God, I'll do anything. I will, you know, I'll work on a church staff. I'll go to Africa. You know, whatever you want me to do, I'll be a stay-at-home mom. Whatever comes next for me, you just make it clear. And I remember so um, vividly during one time of prayer that I said, God, what comes next? Like, I am ready to know, and I'll do it. Um, just give me an answer. And, and I remember the Lord saying, I'm not going to give you answers yet. I'm just not going to give you answers. And I that was one of the hardest parts for me because I thought, well, why? I'm open. I'm willing. I'm ready. And I began to realize that I had never lived by faith before, like the faith that you have to wake up this day and trust that God's going to give you what you need to actually take the next breath mm-hmm. and eat the next meal and um, have purpose to live for the next hour. I'd never had to do that before. And I believe God really wanted to show me how to live by faith before He just handed me a quick answer. And so I, I say somewhere in the book, you know, I'd, I'd lived my whole life hearing, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. But in my mind, it was, I will give you answers. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you answers. But that's not what it says. Um, it says, come to me, and I will give you rest. And rest is sometimes different than answers. Oh, it's so good. And we definitely live in such a culture of wanting the next thing. What am I supposed to do now? And and it reminds me, have you seen the movie Inside Out? The It's like yes. a cartoon. And, yes. and where sadness sits down with, yeah. I forget his name. And, and she just, okay, I'm ruining this for anybody who's seen the movie because I don't remember anybody's names or anything. But basically, <laughs> one character is very sad. And right. the joyful character doesn't know how to make him feel better. But the character who is sadness just sits with him right. and lets him grieve. 
Yes. And then he feels better. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so much like the season that you went through. And, you know, it's so important to honor that season. And when you're talking about the, um, you know, he gives us rest and not necessarily answers, it made me think of uh, Louis Giglio. I don't know if he did choice when you were at Baylor. Um, mm-hmm. No. Yes, he did. Okay, okay. Well, I remember him saying one time that God wants us to wrap our arms around his neck instead of putting our hands in his pockets. Mm. Oh, gosh. And yes. it made me think of, you know, this what, what you just shared, that, you know, right. I think there are seasons when God brings us through things, and he doesn't give us the next thing because he knows we're just going to kind of grab it and run, and he wants us to stop and sit right. with him. Was oh. Um, oh, go ahead. No, that's good. That's good. Was there any particular passage that you clung to in this season, or was that it? No, you know, actually Isaiah 43 um, was was my passage, and it was so fascinating to me because when I was a little girl, my mom was in seminary, and so we would we would get in the car to go to school, and she would plop the Bible in our hands and be like, test me, test me. You know, she was <laughs> always memorizing scripture, and Isaiah 43 was her favorite, and so I remember hearing that all, you know, my whole life growing up. It was tucked away in my heart, but I hadn't thought about it in years, and somebody wrote it down on a sheet of paper. And slipped it to me after a show one night, and I opened it up, and I thought, gosh, that sounds familiar. And I went back, and I, oh, gosh, I just wept. Because it says, fear not, I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and I have called you by my name, and you are mine. So when you walk through the waters, I will go with you. And when you go through the rivers, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he wrote that for me. (laughs) But then it goes on, and it says, um, It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wastelands, and I am bringing streams into the desert. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know, I read that over and over and over again. And I thought, okay, Jenny, you have told people about faith for years. You come from a family that preaches about faith and teaches about faith. Do you actually believe what you've said? Do you actually have faith in this God who says, do you not perceive it, Jenny? I I am, I will do a new thing in your life. You may not see it yet. Um, and, and, you know, and I found it interesting. It wasn't, I'm bringing gushing rivers into the desert. It says, it says I am bringing streams. Mm-hmm. And streams are not always what we want when we're broken. We want big, fat answers. You know, we yes. do. I'm like, yes. I want a big answer. I want a big miracle. I want all the money to be restored. I want my band back to, you know, I want all these things. You know, even... Oh gosh! Even my my baby sister, she um, we've we've experienced the loss of um, her children this past year. She lost two twin girls, Maggie and Ellen, at at birth. And um, and, and, you know, I I sit in those moments and I think, no, God, I want a miracle. I want this big, huge answer, and I want it to be different than just a stream in the desert. But but that's what he gives. And sometimes it is the miracle. And sometimes it is this big thing. And we all stand back and we think, wow, God is so holy. But also there's those moments where I think I could tell you a hundred different moments in the hospital with my sister or a hundred different moments following the fire and and the loss of things where I, I look and I say, gosh, my God, he he kept me alive. He brought streams into my desert and springs, little springs of life that just kept popping up in wastelands. And I think um, sometimes that's actually more incredible than some big flashy miracle because the fact that any of us survive our wastelands, um, that that is a miracle that's pretty astounding. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, I don't, have you, do you know Krista Wells? Yes, I do. She has a song called Thousand Things. And it says how a thousand things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> Here I go butchering things again. But the idea is that in this moment of pain, in this moment of sorrow, our tears are watering a thousand fields. Mm-hmm. And we never know what's going to come from it. And all this, you, you wouldn't have a book probably right now if Addison Road and your family hadn't gone through all these things. And if you hadn't learned and come up from the depths and are in the journey of what God's doing in your life and in your heart and through you. Because now you're back again doing right. music you have right. you had um the becoming mm-hmm. and now you have a book out mm-hmm. and he's you know you're you're in the i don't know if you would consider yourselves in at the mountaintop or just you know on the on the fields on the journey up but right. it's so neat to see how god has brought you out of it 
what would you say to a mom in the midst of it right now, trying to mother mm -hmm. in the midst of heartache and devastation? Mm. Well, one, I would say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I wish I could take it away from you. But um, give yourself permission to grieve. Give yourself permission to bury some of those those things that you thought were going to pan out and, and that you're having um, to release. And, and it, until we release those things and we, we let them go, we can't move forward. And so as hard and as painful as it is, I would say to you out there, give yourself permission to bury and give yourself permission to grieve and permission to wait um, to not have the answers yet. There's going to be a lot of voices around you that want to fix you fast and make sure you move on and and life gets better for you. And 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 it's okay to say, you know what? God doesn't always work fast. Sometimes it's slow, and then that's okay. Um, and I would say bring people into this journey with you because they cannot imagine walking um, these seasons alone. And there were moments I tried to, and moments I tried to, you know, pull out the scotch tape and tape it back together myself. And then I was just drowning in it. And so, um, as humbling as it is to have to call your dad and say, come get me or to call your pastor or to call a neighbor or friend and say, I am literally falling apart. I cannot tape this together anymore. Um, that, that for me was really the beginning, um, of me not having to walk alone and realizing that people will carry me. And then I would write Isaiah 43 down for yourself and just, you know, every day pray that, pray that every single day um, that I'm going to forget the former things. I will not dwell on the past and I will believe that my God is doing a new thing. And I will look today. I will look. I will keep my eyes open. I will ask God flood my life today with springs in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And I will see those and give you praise and glory for them and um and and from one girl who's on the other side and it's not happily ever after i think that's that was for me the the big mistake was that i i'd always thought there is a happily ever after um i'm learning that that the happily ever after is just that i i'm learning to walk with jesus so if that means a dream happens great if that means this book is successful awesome if it doesn't succeed and my house burns down, I'm actually okay now. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I couldn't have said that. But now I know that what it looks like to live a good life and to live a, a life well with Jesus is just that I walk with Him, whether I'm on a mountaintop or a valley. And so my prayer for you is that in, in whatever season that you're walking in, that you would you would come to Him and you would take His rest. And whether you have the answer or the happily ever after that you thought you would have or not, that that would become um, that wouldn't become the main thing. That the main thing would be: Am I am I walking with Jesus? Is He carrying me? Okay, then that's enough. Now I know that those of you listening are like, that is exactly what I needed to hear. And I have to say that I've loved Jenny's music for a long time, and I've read her blog for many years. I actually remember many of the things that she shared as they were happening. Mm. <laughs> and she is a fantastic writer. She's not just a great singer, um, but she's an amazing writer, just really funny and poignant. <laughs> and so I really could not recommend her book more highly. And the great thing is you can get her book and then you can also get her music and listen <laughs> while you read. And I just think that would be a huge encouragement. Just, I love what you do, Jenny. I love your heart for the Lord. I love your heart to encourage other people. And I am a big word person. I just love great words. I used to buy an album and then read all of the lyrics and decide in my head how I thought they should sound. And then I would listen <laughs> to the album. So I love your way uh, with words, both in your songs you. and in your book and talking to you as well. Uh, thank so. you, Kat. Good grief. Well, that's <laughs> I'm going to call it a day right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you do that, will you tell our listeners where they can get all your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to my website. It's Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S dot com. Awesome. So y'all go get the book, go get the music, and it'll bless you and your family. If you have kids, I know my daughter who homeschools and she's in the other room. She was a little jealous that I was talking to you today. <laughs> but then I reminded her that, hey, you sang with her at the house concert and I have a right? video of it. So that's my job for this Yay. afternoon to search up that video. Um, but Jenny, I'm so glad that you could join us today and share your heart and your story with the moms listening. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kat. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. 
Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope it was an encouragement to you. And I also want to take a minute and say thank you for this week's iTunes Reviewer of the Week. And that is Sammy Hamey. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but I tried. And Sammy says, this has been a great podcast for me as a stay-at-home mom of three. I appreciate Kat's openness and especially her sense of humor about herself. Thank you for this podcast. I enjoy the different subjects more than others, but appreciate the wisdom shared in all of them. P.S. I've teared up over your intro more times than I care to admit. Thank you for speaking those words over my life. Sammy, you are so welcome. And for those of you listening, I do hope those words are an encouragement to you each and every week. And if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes for the Inspired to Action podcast, I would love it. And you get a chance to win a free copy of the Inspired to Action Planner. And Sammy, you are the winner this week. So if you'll shoot me an email at inspiredtoaction at gmail.com, I will get a copy of that out to you. All right, friends, if you have not gotten all the great stuff that I have for you at inspiredtoaction.com, go check that out. You can get free ebooks and prayer calendars and, of course, all the show notes for today's episode as well. All right. I am Catley, and I just want to wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember that you are a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning. The house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king And in this place my heart begins to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with His grace His grace and sweet new mercies May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in Open.